AgriTalk is brought to you by Case IH. Solutions for every challenge, equipment for every farm. Case IH, built by farmers. And by Grounded. Spray smarter and improve herbicide performance with Grounded, a multifunctional adjuvant from Helena. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. After early strength, corn and wheat ended lower with the bearish turn in outside markets and perhaps still filling some report hangover while soybeans end with slight gains. Cattle firm into the close with an eye on product values, cash and weather while hogs fail. Live, it's a radio broadcast with no confusing mentions of fancy, mysterious confections via Farm Journal broadcast. This is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we'll chat with Chip Dellinger from Blue Reef Agri-Marketing. Directly following the news, Brian Split from agmarket.net. I, handsome newsman Davis Michelson, and now, filling in for Chip Flory, here's Michelle Rook. Well, good afternoon. Thanks for joining us for AgriTalk. And Davis, you sound mm-hmm. like I need a few more cups of coffee because I'm not up to your energy level here. Um, I only hold myself up to my own standard, Michelle. I, <laughs> I can't ask normal people to, uh, to live up to these standards. Go easy on yourself. Well, you are a lot more positive than the markets were today on the grain side of things. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, me and the markets, we live in different worlds. That's what it is. That's I my know. secret. Well, certainly we got a big shock with the markets on Friday with those reports and uh, record yield as far as record production on corn. And I think that has kind of spilled over into today's session. And we have a lot more to talk about coming up here. But um, I don't know, we'll talk a little bit about kind of what drove the events here today. Uh, Kick us off, Davis. Well, sure thing. Wheat futures were lower for the third consecutive session with the U.S. dollar strength uh, weighing on the complex. Analysts and government scientists in Ukraine say, despite extreme freezing temperatures, the impact on winter grains has been minimal. March SRW futures tested initial support around 584 for the first time since November 29, with additional support at 573 and three quarters. March hard red winter wheat futures were 13 and three quarters lower at 601 and one half. March SRW wheat softened 14 cents to 582. March spring wheat closed at 690 and one half. Down nine and one half cents today. And when I think information that I can count on, I think Ukraine government scientists. How about you, Michelle? Uh, that's not what I think. No. Oh, no. Oh, all right. No, <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, actually, spring wheat hit a new contract low for the day. And both Chicago and Kansas City wheat took out the lows from Friday. And so, I don't know, it was pretty negative. As you mentioned, that dollar moving sharply higher today seemed to weigh on the complex. Well, show corn futures extended Friday's losses on spillover selling from wheat and outside market pressure. USDA reported daily sales of 126,700 metric tons of corn to traditional buyer Mexico during the 23-24 marketing year. South American crop consultant Dr. Michael Cordonier lowered his Brazilian corn crop estimate, but raised Argentina's production estimate by 3 million metric tons. March corn futures were three and one half cents lower, four forty-three and one half. May corn fell three and three quarter cents to four fifty-five and one quarter. 
July corn futures closed at 464. That's down four and one quarter today, Michelle. Yeah. And March corn held the contract low from Friday, which was 441. But this is a new low close for the move. So it doesn't look the best here on the charts today. Well, soybeans posted modest gains as the market works to digest last week's production numbers. Dr. Cordonier cut his Brazilian soybean crop estimate amid reports from almost every state of lower-than-expected yields on early harvested fields. However, Cordonier raised his Argentine soybean crop forecast 2 million metric tons. Meanwhile, Brazil-based consulting firm AgRural now estimates the country's soybean crop at 150.1 million metric tons, that's down 9 million metric tons from its prior forecast. March beans, three cents higher today, 12.27 and one quarter. May beans gained two and three quarter cents to 12.38 and one half. July beans closed at 12.46 and three quarters, up two and a half today. Pretty sad when I feel like three cents higher is a victory for the day in the beans. Mm. Well, we'll take what we can get. Yeah, March cotton do. was two points higher, 81.33. On the livestock side, fat cattle futures were choppy in today's trade. Wintry weather tempered last week's showless numbers. Thus, firmer cash prices are expected, though Friday's cattle on feed report will likely push active cash trade to later in the week. February live cattle, uh, 475, um, excuse me, 175 higher, 173, 12 and a half. April futures an even dollar higher, 175, 17 and one half. And March feeders firmed a buck twelve and a half to two twenty-eight eighty-two and one half. And on the snout side, a pullback in the cash lean hog index pressured lean hog futures in today's trade. Although solid fundamentals, limited pressure. February hogs one dollar twelve and a half lower seventy seventy-seven and one half. April hogs down a buck five seventy-seven fifty-seven and one half at the close. Michelle. Yeah. Well, I'm impressed with the cattle. Feb live cattle finally got above that 50-day moving average. I didn't think we would do that here today. So that was a pretty strong close overall. Uh, let's bring in Brian Split with agmarket.net. And Brian, uh, when we look at the closes today, corn and wheat futures kind of disappointing, especially corn as we couldn't hold uh, basically the uh, lows that we had last week. We held them from Friday, but this is a new low close for the move. And how much of that was just hanging over from the report versus what we saw in these outside markets today? Yeah, Michelle, I don't, I don't know how to measure what percentage of it was hanging over from the report and how much of it is just general uh, weakness. I do think the wheat market had a lot to do with the weakness in corn today. And, and I would say wheat's probably the, the one that was the most disappointing considering the report Friday was actually friendly with the reduction in stocks and uh, lower than expected uh, uh, winter wheat seedings. So, um, you know, you had mentioned the strength in the cattle today. Uh, I, I cautioned uh, listeners last week with the hogs. Uh, they had a very strong move. They got to to an upper end of the channel and then rolled over from there. And uh, very similarly, we have uh, live cattle trading in an upward trending channel. Um, and so sometimes the market will make a new high above a previous high. Uh, looks like it's breaking out, but when it's in a channel formation, it, it is hitting overhead channel resistance. So that's going to come in around the 176-ish area in the April live cattle. Uh, in the February contract, uh, you're looking at uh, maybe up in the uh, 174 area. So I would just uh, advise listeners to be cautious if this market takes out last week's highs. It could just fail at the upper end of the channel. How much of this was weather? Um, I, I think weather has a, a part to play in it here, but um, you know if that's the case, it's kind of a disappointing 
rally, uh, considering what the uh, anybody in the cattle uh, industry is dealing with, with weather, with the snowfall and with the severe cold, uh, you know, we can only tack on a, a buck here, buck there. Uh, I just feel like in previous years, when if we had weather like this, we'd be seeing the market uh, rally a little bit more aggressively. Yeah. I want to go back to soybeans as well, Brian. You know, as I said, we held Friday's lows here, but how long do you think those can hold? Well, we we went up and we kind of rechecked the lows that we had leading up into the report. So the March contract had a lot of lows in that 34, 35 area. We made it up to about 37 and some change. Uh, so we really need to see some closes above that that vicinity in order to feel like that low on Friday was indeed maybe a good short-term low. Um, and then we need to get above 1250, which are the highs that we were making last week leading into the report to suggest that we actually made a bottom. Uh, and I think if you could get through 1250, take out the 10 day moving average, which is at 49 and a quarter today, that's going to spur some technical short covering. Uh, and if we could do that, I wouldn't be surprised where uh, the, the gap at 1296 and three quarters is going to become a target uh, below 1220. And we're likely going to report the retest the report day low. Just quick, is 4441 going to hold in the March corn? <laughs> you tell me, Michelle. We okay. have a, about the same odds of being right. All right. Thanks for joining us, Brian Split with agmarket.net. We will take a break, and Chip Nellinger, Blue Reef Agri-Marketing, will be joining us coming up. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. Sand in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. The truth is hard to come by these days, unless you listen to AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Michelle Rook in for Chip Flory this afternoon. And we call on Chip Nellinger, Blue Reef Agri-Marketing. He's our market guest for today. And Chip, good to have you along. And what's the weather looking like out at your part of the world over there in Illinois? Uh, not great. You know, I, I learned a, a couple of years ago that weather is all relative and not to complain about it. But uh, 
pretty brutally cold for us. I, I, you know, yesterday was, I think, a low of a negative 14 and, and uh, I think maybe eight or nine below today. We had six or eight inches of snow ahead of that. Some wind. So it's, it's brutally cold, but I, I really got uh, slapped in the face a couple of years ago. I was kind of complaining about that and was talking to a guy in Minnesota and he's like, yeah, it's uh, 54 below here, actual temperature today. And I'm like, okay, I will never again complain about always worse somewhere else. That is true. Up here in the Dakotas, we're certainly going to arm wrestle you and beat you every time on that one. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, the corn market here to start off with. Obviously, that was a pretty brutal report that we had Friday with uh, yield coming in record, production record at a time when you had over 50% of the country that was on the drought monitor showing drought and you had pretty poor crop conditions. And so Kind of a very shock to this market, wasn't it? It was. It's it's almost like the perfect storm. Uh, you know, just talk, continue to talk to producer after producer that, you know, given the conditions we had, the the, the yield ended up uh, just you know fantastic given the conditions. I, I think the one thing to take home uh, at the end of the day, maybe the thing that saved us. Obviously, we had some rains right on time, even if they were in very small amounts. We didn't have a lot of heat generally, and I think maybe at the end of the day, that's what uh, what saved us. Um, you know, I, I thought that the market maybe overreacted a little bit. I, I know that that acreage number was was pretty bearish, but with the I should say the yield number, but with the acreage number coming down, you know, we didn't see like a, a dramatic rise in the carryout. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, we're just in in that mode. We're we're in a downtrend, and the funds want to be short. And they want to add on every uh, small bounce. And, you know, until we can get something to snap us out of that, um, a bullish spark, even if it's something, you know, in the outside markets, um, unfortunately, the momentum is for lower. And the funds want to build uh, up this pretty healthy short position that we've got going in corn. And so it's, uh, it's an ugly mess out there right now. Um, yeah. You know, wheat didn't help us today at least some stability in beans, but uh, yeah, there's, there's nothing to spin it on corn other than maybe the fact that we are getting, uh, you know, quite a bit oversold in here in the short run and, you know, overdue for a bounce. There's a lot of people bared up and short already, but uh, nothing to, to really uh, jump up and down for joy about on the bullish side. Well, you and I always say before you get a market to go up, it has to quit going down. But do you think we have all of the bearish, info in this market already i mean we said that was i think you're getting close yeah i thought you were close ahead of the report um with the reaction after i think you're getting you're getting very close um and, you know to your point you know kind of tongue-in-cheek that we got to stop going down first um we we do have a lot of bearish news uh, built in and, and i don't i think you could see a 20 cent short covering bounce um pretty easily at a minimum, even if we're going to ultimately go to new new contract lows. Uh, so I think we're getting kind of stretched in the short run here. I think the one thing that, you know, we still have a, a tremendous amount of uncertainty on is what are the ultimate sizes of these crops in the Southern Hemisphere? Yeah. Um, there's such a wide variance on the Brazil soybeans, but we, I don't think, the, I don't feel like the corn market's even really discussing um, what the uncertainty is about the second crop corn um, there in Brazil, we haven't even planted that crop yet. Um, how many acres are they going to plant? How's their growing season going to be? Doesn't seem like the corn market is even concerned one bit about that yet. And 
and, and it matters. So, you know, the ultimate size of that crop really matters to, to demand and the end result for corn. Yeah, it does act like it doesn't care, just like soybeans act like they don't care when we get these really, I would say, bullish figures out of South American production estimates. But we'll talk about soybeans in a moment because one question I have, you brought up the funds. They're now short almost 231,000 contracts, a big increase week over week. You know, how short will they go in this market? And, and you know, this is not record short, but it's pretty darn short this time of year, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it definitely is. They've been uh, over 300,000 contracts short, I believe, two times once, uh, like right in the middle of COVID. So you maybe throw that out and, and say that's an anomaly. I think one time in 2019 as well. Uh, they got short north of 300,000 contracts. So I think they're getting they're getting close. They were loaded up on the short side coming into this report. And you got to remember in the big picture, you know, they get paid to make money. They get paid on closed trades. So eventually the other shoe will drop, right? They will eventually want to take their money uh, and have feel like they've maximized this, uh, this trade. Something will kind of snap us out of the doldrums and give us that nice, nice bounce. Maybe it's South America. Maybe it's something, maybe it's the energy markets. We, we don't know what it will be right now, but I, I do think that the funds are kind of pushing this thing to the extreme kind of causing some of that oversold, um, you know, condition that we have right now. And, and maybe we're getting a little bit uh, of a situation where everybody's kind of leaning too far to one side of the boat right now. So let me also ask you at the same time, how much corn is left in the country to sell? When you looked at the quarterly stocks number over 12 billion bushels, you know, last year at this time, we had a lot less in the bin. Do we have a lot more corn that has to come at this market in terms of farmer selling? Eventually we do. And that's the main, the main problem we've got going on right now. It's being uh, used as the excuse to sell this thing. And, and that is the main bearish item in corn, in my opinion, but how much of that do we, you know, have priced in um, and when will that move? Right. Um, hopefully it's in kind of a, uh, you know, a, a logical, slow process, you know, all the way out into summer. Hopefully it's not all in at, at one, uh, you know, time slot, but there is a lot of unpriced corn out there for the reasons we talked about earlier, right? When you got to June, July, August, and, you know, you had uh, some of the driest conditions we've, we've faced and, you know, corn that was stressed and people really with that forecast, the extended forecast really felt, honestly felt in their heart of hearts that they had a half a crop coming, you know, and ended up with, you know, second best or close to best ever oh, yields no. uh, that's causes some of that that hangover of unpriced uh, bushels right it is a big deal there's a lot of it but uh we've got a long time frame ahead of us for that to hit the market too yeah so i'll ask you the same question i asked brian split 441 was the contract low in march corn on friday after the report does that hold or not um, probably not. And, and, you know, if I were, a, if I were a betting man, uh, I'd say no. Um, especially given the action in wheat today, but sometimes you, you need that, right? You need that final flush out and, and get the market saying, okay, and here comes the next 20 cents lower and it doesn't, um, you know, hold. And then we bounce back above there. Sometimes you need, unfortunately, that final flush out. So I, I guess if I were a betting man, I'd say no, especially given the, the action in the wheat market today. So the next step is um, beyond farmer selling and getting the old crop in the rear view mirror. What about looking ahead to 2024? What do you think this is going to mean for the acreage mix and farmers willingness to plant corn again? 
Yeah, you know, I, again, I, I historically, historically, once we kind of get a little ways, a couple, two, three weeks past the January crop report, the market starts focusing more on that exact question. But again, I, I, I don't think they've even begun to think about the Brazil crop situation and how many acres they're going to plant. I don't think they're even thinking about, you know, hey, we just dropped to two and a half year lows in corn prices here. What does that mean for acres? So I think that there is a question there. Now, if we bounce back up north to $5 by mid-February, um, that's a different uh, different uh, discussion probably. But I, I don't think it's something the market has even begun to think about is how's that acreage mix this year between corn and beans. I don't know what the clear winner is right now, but I know as we go lower, there's not as much incentive to plant uh, fence post to fence post uh, on the corn side. So that could be something that, you know, maybe supports our market eventually. But right now, I don't think the market uh, seems to care much. Yeah. And demand, it's not really picking up at least fast enough to help out here. I mean, even though we're at some probably some pretty good value levels for end users, aren't we? Right. Little trouble with the audio there. Um, yeah, we're having a Joe Stackler maybe can fiddle with this just a little bit. Um, yeah, Michelle, it certainly seems like the corn market is bringing in some traditional buyers into the export market. We got Mexico in here. You know, we've we had yeah. a great month uh, of November with those, again, traditional buyers on the pork side. So if you're asking, you know, are we price shopping here? I'm going to tell you, our, our traditional buyers lately have been price shoppers. Yeah, you would think that would be the case. And we're going to try to get Chip back, Chip Nellinger, Blue Reef Agri-Marketing, to talk a little bit about soybeans and the price action here today and going forward. This is AgriTalk. Let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes, where March hard red winter wheat futures were 13 and three quarter cents lower, 601 and one half. March SRW wheat down 14 cents, 582. March corn futures were three and one half cents lower at 443 and one half. May corn down three and three quarter cents to 455 and one quarter. March soybean futures three cents higher, 1227 and one quarter. May beans gained two and three quarter cents to close at twelve thirty-eight and one half. March cotton two points higher, eighty-one thirty-three. On the livestock side, February fat cattle were one dollar seventy-five higher, one seventy-three twelve and a half. March feeders up a buck twelve and a half to two twenty-eight eighty-two and one half. And February lean hogs a buck twelve and a half lower, seventy seventy-seven and one half. Get more market news every market day. Visit tryprofarmer.com. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. 
And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Do you suffer from talking on the radio phobia? No problem. Send us a tweet at hashtag AgriTalk. And welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Michelle Rook in for Chip Glory this afternoon. Well, Chip Dellinger, Blue Reef Agri-Marketing, is our guest analyst here today. And uh, Chip, we got you back here. I'm glad. And let's talk a little bit about this soybean market. I told Davis that it's unfortunate when I feel like March corn being up three cents for the day is an actual victory. Yeah, it's, uh, it is a little scary, right? We couldn't hold those double-digit gains from overnight and, and early morning. Even had a little bullish news in there today with the uh, – Crush report, uh, yeah. you know, pretty strong. Uh, in fact, I think it was a record it number, a record. maybe an all-time record. Yeah, for the for the month. So that crush demand still remains pretty strong. We've we've cut into crush margins, obviously, but they're still positive. And you know, uh, even kind of shrugged the the friendly news off a little bit. I guess it's a moral victory. We stopped going down. We we talked before the break, right? Before before a market can rally, it has to stop going down. Um, I think it remains to be seen whether we've stopped going down or if this is just a pause. I do think that, you know, we talked about the, the oversold condition of corn ahead of the break. Um, boy, I, I think beans are even more so in that oversold territory, really stretched to the downside here. Um, you know, again, all the uncertainty of the Brazil crop size and, you know, still domestically pretty strong demand. And it just seems like we're shrugging it off. It's just money flow. The funds want to be short, and they've really beat this market up over the last six weeks. Yeah, and funds generally aren't short the soybean market, now short about 31,000 contracts. And that's really all come since we started getting rains in Brazil, right? Uh, it has. And, and to your point, yeah, they do not spend a lot of time historically on the short side of the equation. And uh you know, it's kind of like here. I think it's a little bit, um, you know, the old story, the, the boy who cried wolf, right? And, and you know, producers here kind of talking about that hot, dry conditions and super dry drought conditions in the Western Corn Belt. And yet we raised a 177 corn crop. I think the market is taking that approach that, yeah, okay, Brazil had a, a historic drought, but they're getting some late rains and everything's going to be perfect with that crop. And, you know, the fact of the matter is, um you throw the USDA number out for their projection last week. They're usually the last one to, to change anyway. They're not the leader. Right. You've got a almost 800 million bushel variance from low to high on what, um, you know, realistic estimates are out of that crop size in Brazil. So I, I think it uh, still is a very big question mark in the market's mind. You know, you and I do markets a lot. 
about every other week here. And one of the things we've talked about is that for the market to move, the Brazilian crop estimate would have to get sub 150 million metric tons. However, you know, we've seen some of the private estimates get down below that. And today we had another private estimate down to 135 million metric tons. And of course, I'm sure you're getting farmers that are going, why is this not moving the market? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And not only farmers, but myself scratching my head a little bit, like, why isn't that moving the market? So one argument is, um, I think there's two, uh, you know, one argument is these late rains are going to stabilize it and we're going to be closer to 150 or slightly above where Conab currently is. Um, I don't necessarily buy that. I, I think that the heat, they had the heat uh, on top of the dryness and that's a, a double whammy. The second argument is going to be, well, the Argentine crop's bigger than a year ago. They're not having a problem. That's going to offset it. It, it will offset some of it, but you're still, um, you know, going to be way down from what the total expectations were for that southern hemisphere crop from a couple months ago, uh, three months ago, probably. So, you know, net net, how's that all shake through? I'm not sure, but it seems like the market's kind of taken a you know, a lazy attitude of eh, everything's going to be all right. And Argentina is going to make up for the losses. And, you know, the fact of the matter is they've got their own internal problems in Argentina. A lot of those beans are used uh, for their crush, um, you know, industry rather than exporting beans. Brazil's the big bean exporter. So, you know, eventually the cash market will tell you the cash market never lies. So that's what we have to watch for is, you know, some firming, firming basis in, in Brazil relative to the Gulf of Mexico and China will usually tell you as well. If they come back here, uh, in short order, you know, sometime in late January, first part of February for U.S. beans, I think that'll tell you the tale that uh, that, that crop size in Brazil is going to end up way under what the market thinks right now. Well, we've had over a dollar break here, and we have not seen that export demand come to the marketplace. Have you been surprised with that in this bean market? Because usually when we get these pullbacks, China's such a value buyer, they come in. I have been a little bit surprised, and I think that's probably part of uh, obviously why the, the market's been disappointed as well and, and easy to sell off in here. Uh, you know, there, don't forget that uh, since the first of the year, really, there's there's been a little back and forth job owning with, uh, you know, some tough talk out of China as it relates to uh, Taiwan. Um, and, and so there's there's some of that in the background. They did front load some of that. Remember, you know, back in uh, November, December, it just seemed like uh, for several, six, seven, eight weeks in a row, we had some big sales announcements three, four times a week from China. So some of that's front loaded. We're still uh, in okay shape given projections of where the USDA uh, is, but uh, boy, it would be nice to see that demand come back a little bit here in January and February before we get you know, a better supply of beans in uh, in March, April, May out of the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah. And USDA left exports on soybeans unchanged in the report on Friday. So is there a fear that that might be revised in the future? Oh, yeah. I, I think that's an argument on, on the bear case, too. I, I don't know that I believe that just yet, uh, but that's another, um, you know, selling point uh, in the case of the bear camp is, you know, Argentina is going to offset uh, Brazil. Brazil's not hurt that bad. Oh, and we're going to lose more uh, exports. Not, I don't know whether any of that comes to fruition or not, but right now, um, you know, it, the momentum's lower and the funds want to be short. And those are the easy excuses to, to sell this thing. But, uh, you know, this B market has a history of, of dollar and a half, $2 swings both ways. We've just had a $2 swing down. We've got a lot of bearishness built in. 
I still am a big believer. You're going to have rallies in this thing. Is it from, you know, are the lows in for the time being, or do we need to put a new baby low in? I don't know, but uh, I think we're, we're close just because we're so oversold in here in the short run. Okay, so we went down to, I think, what, 12.03 on Friday. So $12, that's pretty good support that you think is going to hold. Well, there's some old highs back there. There's probably some reasons why we stopped where we did. If you get under there, the next stop uh, is probably, you know, down, um, you know, into some lows that would take you like in the 11.60, 11.40 range, maybe a little bit under that. So I'm sure that's the target for the Bears. The, the question is, do they have enough firepower to get it there, right? Because we've stretched that rubber band so far that if we can't see a closer to below $12 and reignite the, the momentum to the downside, then you're going to have a, a lot of uh, fresh shorts that could say, hey, it was good. I tried it from the short side. Let's get back out. And that's what kind of causes your short covering bounces. And those can be sharp too. I mean, there's nothing to say that we, uh, you know, may not end up eventually at 1150 or below, but may need to rally to 1270, 1280 first before you see that. It seems like this market, especially beans, has a history of, uh, of really disappointing both the bulls and the bears if they don't take their money while they have it. Yeah. And we talk about demand, but the shipping issues we've had certainly haven't helped here, have they? No, they haven't. You know, obviously the, uh, you know, Panama Canal issues, we've had issues with the Mississippi River, and hopefully some of this rain and snow is, you know, making its way uh, and, and solving some of those problems with the Mississippi River. But now the Black Sea issue, the uh, I should say the Black Sea, the Red Sea is causing, um, you know, some shipping uh, issues. So the transportation logistics uh, isn't helping the matter uh, by, by any stretch of, of the equation. It just seems like everything is lined up against us right now. Yeah. Let me ask you a quick question about wheat before the break here. Kansas City and Chicago, uh, we actually took out Friday's lows there today. Minneapolis made new contract lows. We've been seeing that the bottom has been in this wheat market for how long now? A couple of weeks, but do you think it's in? Or are we going to test Well, I'm it? not sure. I, you know, it's so frustrating because we've had every chance in the world to get the funds run out of their massive short position. We had, you know, a close or two above some key moving averages here uh, weeks past, and just couldn't seem to give them the budge. I think maybe the market's reacting to some news that it, it might look like, um, you know, some sort of a ceasefire peace agreement could be could be made between, uh, you know, Russia and Ukraine, um, you know. And, and so I think that's probably bearish on the ideas. Uh, a, if it happens, you know, maybe we can kind of get back slowly closer to normal production out of Ukraine slowly but surely. But uh, pretty ugly start. Uh, here to the week, uh, very disappointing. But uh, yeah, that's part of the problem. It spills over into the into the sales on the on the corn side too. If we can't hold here, it has a direct correlation as a as a feed grain, uh, you know, competitor to corn, and it's going to drag corn along for the ride too. But very disappointing uh, a day here, technically. Yeah, and corn did try to rally to your point and got pulled down here by the wheat market. Was wheat also reflective of this sharply higher dollar today? Yeah, the, I think mean, the dollar's not helping again. You know, here we just kind of continue to talk about the things that are lining up on the bearish side. Sharply higher dollar today. It uh, has kind of broken out of a little, you, know, you know, week, week and a half sideways trading range, broke out to the top side of that. Kind of a sharp move lower in, in bonds, meaning a, uh, a fairly significant little bump higher in interest rates today. And the stock market took a hit. And so, uh, yeah, I think to your point, 
the the wheat market is uh, pretty highly sensitive to the to the dollar and, and foreign exchange rates and, and this push higher today uh, in the dollar probably didn't help the cause either in the wheat market. Yeah, and definitely we're going to be down on winter wheat acres, maybe spring wheat going forward, you think? Well, yeah, that's, the, you know, that's the, the most disappointing thing is, um, I guess if there was a silver lining, it was maybe that uh, the wheat numbers uh, from last week on the WASDE report and, the, and that plantings report were we're pretty friendly, you know, yeah. under the lowest estimate, but yeah, you just can't get any play out of that. So, you know, there's uh, we're not out of winter. You usually have a winter a winter kill scare. You right. got some production issues here for the for the spring weed. There'll be something, but uh, boy, it's okay. uh, it's hard to spin it uh, other than bearish right now in the wheat All market. Right. We'll talk with Chip coming back on AgriTalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. They'll hate all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. Knowledge is power. We're here to charge your batteries. Agritalk. Well, if you're just joining us, welcome to Agritalk. I'm Michelle Rook along with uh, Chip Nellinger, Blue Reef Agri-Marketing, our guest analyst today. And uh, Chip, let's talk about this cattle market. Um, a nice update here today. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, Finally got the Feb Live cattle above that 50-day moving average resistance area. We've been knocking our head on it. Um, Brian Split said, oh, it might be a little bit of a trap here. Do you think that's the case? Um, I don't. I, I don't. I mean, I, it's always a possibility that it's uh, it's kind of a bull trap and, you know, sucking everybody on the long side and then it's going to reverse lower. I just think with the the weather that we've had, the, the feeding conditions, conversion factors, I think that the market's a little bit beat up as bad as the funds, um, you know, beat this thing up to the downside. And it's been really reluctant to rally almost, you know, like they're afraid of getting beaten back down by the funds. But I think this time may be a little bit different. Um, you know, I'd like to see us hold, like to see us close above this level for the week. And then I think you do have some upside here. I think it'll eventually flush through the cash side, cause some, you know, some firmer trade for us out here. Yeah, there'll be some, I'm not saying it's going to be straight up, but I would not be surprised, um, you know, in the next, um, call it 
60 to 75 days if we don't have another six to eight dollars uh, to the upside coming. But, um, you know, I like the fact that people think it's maybe a, a breakout and want to sell this thing that, you know, just gives the, the firepower and the fuel for that next rally. So uh, I'm kind of hopeful and optimistic for some better things out here, maybe six to eight bucks, but not immediately, just over the course of maybe the next couple of months. Yeah, we should talk about, you know, you mentioned the funds and boy, they were long over like 100,000 contracts at their peak and now only long about 14,000 contracts. So their powder's dry. They certainly could add to that long if they wanted to. Yeah, absolutely. You don't need to give them much of an excuse. And and remember, you know, maybe in the cattle market, they, they factor in fundamentals a little more. But at the end of the day, um, they're there to make money for their customers. Uh, they follow markets. They follow trends. And, you know, if we can sustain some trade above uh, some of these key moving averages, there's, they're not immune to coming right back in on the long side. Now, are they going to get 150,000, 180,000 long like they were at the highs? Maybe not, but, um, you know, they could sure get uh, back on the long side and push us higher. And maybe that gives you some extra momentum and fuel for some better cash trade as well. They seem to kind of feed off of each other uh, both ways in both directions. Yeah, hard to get a sense of where cash trade necessarily was last week because of the weather that we had, but light negotiated totals, but we had had three higher weeks prior to that. And is cash really the key here for keeping the momentum going, or do we need the market to be reminded of how tight numbers are, say, in the cattle inventory report at the end of this month? Well, I think cash cash is always king, so to speak. Um you know, it's going to take at least stable and firming cash market. I, I think, you know, because of the, um, I guess, tentativeness of the of the market to rally, it seems like, you know, because of that big beatdown we had from the fund selling, you know, the, the market was uh, content to have a little bit of a discount to where the cash trade was. So if we can get a little help from that inventory report and kind of refocus the market to your point that, hey, things are still pretty tight. We haven't really uh, healed a whole lot as far as the numbers go from the multi-year drought we've had. That could be something that kind of fuels an additional rally as well, especially if the cash market is holding together and uh, and rallying into the end of the month as well. Yeah, well, feeders are usually the leaders. Are they going to reassume that role? You know, I, I, I yes, I, I think so. I think there's probably as much upside um, in feeders, uh, honestly, especially if corn prices are going to stay down here. So, uh, you know, for as bearish as we talked about there for two segments uh, ahead of the breaks, on, uh, you know, some of the current conditions on the grains, you know, if corn does stay down here or if wheat continues to break and it drags corn uh, even lower than where it's at, I, again, I think that could give you a little bit of fuel for the feeder market. And then if you have these conditions where the, the funds are buying the, the live cattle again and, and the inventory, inventory report's a little friendly and cash holds together, it could still be a nice little run here in this first quarter of the new year. Yeah, and you got to believe weights are going to start coming down here a little bit with this winter weather. I mean, we had had such good conditions prior to that. Isn't that why we were kind of up in that record weight territory? Yeah, absolutely. And that's not something that, uh, you know, if, if we get back to normal, if it gets back to 30 degrees next week and stays there, uh, you don't just immediately see that come back. That's going to be something that affects us for, you know, a couple months yet. And it takes a while to flush through the market. And then, you know, what's the rest of the winter and early spring going to be like? You can still have some pretty ugly conditions. Uh, you know, if there's mud out there uh, early spring, I mean, it can really affect performance as well. So we're coming to that time frame where it's really going to start, uh, you know, affecting the weights and, and it usually doesn't go away overnight or fix itself immediately.
Yeah. Uh, outside markets today as well. We talked about the dollar being sharply higher, but crude oil fell, the stock indices were lower. And is that kind of fear again, that maybe we aren't going to see as many declines or cuts in interest rates as the Fed maybe hadn't been anticipated to do? Yeah, I, I think the market probably got, uh, especially in the, the interest rate uh, environment, got ahead of itself. Yeah. Um, you know, the Fed, the Fed made some talk there that, yeah, we're going to maybe at least stop raising rates and cut them. And the market assumes six cuts. You know, for, they haven't even seen the first cut yet, right? So we got to get to that. So the market probably got a little ahead of itself. And I think some of the, the Fed talk of the last couple of weeks maybe cooled that down just a little bit. So we probably were overdone to the, to the upside, um, you know, in the stock market. And we're seeing a correction higher in rates. We're seeing that correction lower in stocks from all-time highs. And, and I think that uh, that higher tick in interest rates is what drugged the uh, – you know the dollar uh, yeah. index higher. I'm okay. I'm pretty confused on the energy markets too. You know, with with the uncertainty in right. uh, in the Red Sea and and Iran being more of a of an influence now, the price crude oil hasn't had a better rally than what we've seen. Yeah, you wouldn't be alone. All right, thanks for joining us, Chip Nellinger, Blue Reef Agri Marketing. Tomorrow, U.S. Senator Chuck Grassley and the Farm Forum. That's AgriTalk. I'm Michelle Rook, and I'm Davis Michelson. Looking at the weather here. Looks like we're going to have a flip. The 6 to 10 day temperature outlook uh, gets us from, where are we at here? January 22 to 26. Is that right? Yeah. It's hot. It's just above normal temperatures expected everywhere in the in the uh, continental United States. Uh, below normal precipitation up in the Dakotas, Montana area, but above normal precip expected basically everywhere else here in the States. And then flip out to the 8 to 14 day, and we we've still got above normal temperatures expected coast to coast. Precipitation Outlook favors the eastern half of the United States. Michelle Rook, thanks for joining us tomorrow morning on AgriTalk. Chip Flory will be back. Uh, and we'll be we'll be here with the Farmer Forum and Senator Chuck Grassley, 1006 Central.